morning, everyone. What great news about what's happening with this Giveathon? We're going to be talking about it all morning long again, as we always do, giving you opportunities each hour to jump in. You can always jump in and help. You can always donate whenever you have time. Uh, Desert Financial Phone Bank number 602-933-4567. That's 602-933-4567. Coming up in a few minutes, you're going to hear more stories of hope, more great stories from Phoenix Children's Hospital of families that have had some severe struggles and, and physical ailments and things that needed to be addressed in a very serious way and how Phoenix Children's did a better job than anybody ever could have imagined. And you'll hear some of those coming up in a few moments. We start this morning in a bit of a different place. We talk about crime and punishment very often. And there are a couple of headlines from around the country that I think most of us understand. Police shortages leave Austin Jewelry Store in a dire straits. In Austin, Texas, they're saying the shortage of police officers has dramatically uh, hurt their business, and they're they're afraid. People are afraid. In New York, the Chelsea neighborhood, in New York, the Chelsea residents say drug users are taking over their once upscale neighborhood. Portland residents demand action on homeless crisis as families flee. Fortunately, no one's been shot is the headline. I say all of that because we talked with um, – are about we've talked about Phoenix Police Department and what they are doing with their net teams or net squads, the neighborhood enforcement teams and um, the net squads and others. They have a unit at Phoenix PD that is focusing on illegal guns and people that buy and sell them or possess them. And so the focus isn't on guns themselves. It is the difference between a prohibited possessor and a legal gun owner. And they are focusing on people, criminals that have guns, deal in guns that aren't supposed to have them. And I've said from the beginning of this operation that if you're going to see a a major city have a a positive effect on violent crimes, this is the way you attack this issue. You don't go after the firearms themselves. It's like DUI arrests. You know, every holiday we know that the police, DPS especially, but police departments across the state of Arizona in conjunction with local law enforcement, they are doing a DUI checkpoints. They do a DUI enforcement. They do a lot of different things. And they let the public know we're coming after you if you're drinking and driving, especially on the holidays, always, but especially on the holidays. They are not targeting the automobiles. They're targeting the drunk that got behind the wheel. Big difference. Big difference. So the Phoenix police launched an Operation Gun Crime Crackdown. They have seized over a bunch of guns and over 500 people have been arrested in this. The operation is headed by several law enforcement agencies and focuses on reducing the number of violent gun crimes plaguing our city. Enforcement aimed at taking guns away from those who are not supposed to have them while protecting the law, the rights of law abiding citizens. That's a quote. 711 guns have been seized between July 5th and August 15th. More than a dozen of them have conversion devices on them. Police describe this as an illegal part added to a gun to make it fully automatic. A flare gun was also reportedly seized, and it was modified to shoot a bullet. So this is, uh, I just wanted to start off this morning by talking about this aspect. We've been talking crime and punishment for a long time. As crime is exploding in other parts of the country, part of it is the defund the police movement. There's no doubt about that. The defund the police movement has absolutely, without a doubt, had an impact here. No doubt about that. That there is an impact in, in, in the, you know, with, with the attitude toward policing that has, you know, has been, uh, 
spread out across cities across America, and cities are learning their lesson. San Francisco is always going to be, I believe, a very liberal city, and it has every right to run itself or it ha- to be run any way they want. Um, this is um, – But you also see that they realize that crime and punishment is not a political issue, or at least it shouldn't be. You've got district attorneys in San Francisco, the new district attorney that has now got a tough on crime attitude. Where we were getting it backwards, we were demonizing law enforcement, we were defunding the cops, I think it was $120 million in San Francisco removed, or at least now is being put back in, and we were uh, making heroes and victims out of the victimizers. So the, uh, not only are they going to beef up their police department in San Francisco, they're going to beef up enforcement from the district attorney's office, where the district attorney is saying, we are not going to honor these plea bargains. We're not going to do this plea bargain stuff. People that are trying to commit or who are committing crimes and are trying to get away with them, you're not going to do that in our city. And we have got to change that attitude around the country. Now, Phoenix, um, you know, the city of Phoenix, let's call it the Valley because Maricopa County and dealing with the Maricopa County Attorney's Office, that partnership has to remain very strong. We've said that over and over again. But when you have a police department like the Phoenix Police Department that is dramatically understaffed and they absolutely are dramatically understaffed, you see leadership in the Phoenix Police Department have to be very creative. And that's when I say leadership, I'm talking sergeants and lieutenants all the way up the command chain where you are being more creative in how you do things. You are using your resources the best way you know how. And with all of the gun crimes here, when you look at how many officers have been gunned down in the line of duty, it's amazing we haven't had Phoenix police officers killed. It's only by the grace of God that at least one of these officers is still alive. But we've gone down the list of how many officers have been injured in the line of duty. And all of these times that they were attacked by people with guns, they were shot. These were people that were prohibited possessors. These are people in the city of Phoenix that the law says there's already gun laws in place prohibiting them from having guns, and yet they still had them. So now they're going after not only the people that have guns that aren't supposed to, but the people that are dealing in those guns, going after law-abiding uh, people going after uh, businesses that are firearms dealers that do it legitimately. They do the background checks. They take it very seriously. It's not going to get you where you need to go. You got to find the people. Then the intel out there is available. Just like people know who the drug dealers are, people know who have the guns. Those are the people that they have to go after. And when you do that, when you make that effort, you get five over 500 people arrested and over 700 guns taken out of the hands of people that are not supposed to have them. You tell me what makes you a safer city. Making it harder for me to get a gun, taking away some of the guns off the shelf so that I can't have them or going after these people that are modifying flare guns to shoot bullets and modifying uh, existing firearms to make them illegal. I mean, all of this. This is the kind of targeted enforcement that makes a difference. 
So when I've said in the past that the Phoenix Police Department has been victims of their own success, this is what I'm talking about. A dramatically understaffed agency. They need more officers. It gets more and more dangerous every day. Now, the recruiting's up. We're hearing that recruiting's doing better. But you have go, you have to go through a very rigorous process in order to be accepted into the police academy and then graduating from the police academy and then getting onto the streets and being uh, graduating, so to speak, or finishing FTO, your field training officer. That's not necessarily necessarily a guarantee either. So what you start with in a big number dwindles down fairly quickly to qualified candidates that make it through the process. But when they look at what happened to their officers, go down the list of the officers in Phoenix. Tyler Maldivan, gunned down by somebody that wasn't supposed to have a, a gun. Nine officers injured on a scene by a guy trying to execute cops wasn't supposed to have a gun. A police officer investigating domestic violence shot by a guy that wasn't supposed to have a gun. Um, two officers driving, following in a slow, uh, slow chase or uh, following a car past an apartment complex shot by a guy that wasn't supposed to have a gun. Police officer in South Phoenix investigating gun crimes undercover by herself. What happened? Shot by people that weren't supposed to have guns. You have that happen in your city over and over and over again. You know, it doesn't take long to figure out, hey, we got to do something about these illegal guns. You can focus on uh, law abiding citizens and gun laws and everything else. We've got a ton of gun laws on the books right now, and they are taking advantage of arresting people for having those guns. Now the key is prosecuting them and making sure that they spend a lot of time in jail, that they understand that these are inexcusable, unacceptable crimes, and you will be severely punished. It's the only way this works. Coming up in a moment, uh, we give you an opportunity for the first time on my show today, anyway, to jump in with us at the uh, Phoenix Children's Hospital, the Giveathon for Phoenix Children's. We're going to talk about this in a moment, and you're going to hear some great stories from families that have been so impacted by Phoenix Children's. All that's coming up here in just a moment. The Giveathon for Phoenix Children's is presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the Auction Indian community. KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Give us on on the Mike Broomhead Show. First of all, I want to thank everyone who has jumped on board with us and donated and taken us over that million-dollar mark to donate to Phoenix Children's Hospital. What you are doing is investing in something in the community that is such an important part of who we are and what we are. We have partnered with so many of you, the listeners, that have donated and given from your heart. And we have also partnered up with so many corporate partners that have done the same thing. And I want to start there this morning. I want you to hear this. This is a check presentation from our friends at Spinato's Pizzeria. All right. Sitting here with the Anthony Spinato of Spinato's, uh, our Champion of Hope sponsor this year. Anthony, thank you so much for sitting down and, and talking about PCH today. Very excited to be here with you, Sarah. You all have been involved at Spinato's for nearly a decade now, eight or nine years. Uh, why has it been important for Spinato's to continually give through the Giveathon? Well, um, for one of our, our core pillars in, in how we do our community outreach, um, kids is a big part of that. You know, that's de- definitely one. And PCH. Um, doesn't I mean who does a better job of loving and supporting kids, especially in those trials and things? Um, been on 
a lot of tours of the hospital, learned a lot about strength by watching those kids, you know, so, so, I mean, everybody loves children, they're our future, but, you know, we just really love what PCH does, and it just ties in perfectly with our support for kids. Okay, so now's the big drum roll moment. There we are. I know yeah. you've got a, a big check to present. Yeah. We are, uh, today we're giving $5,000 to um, PCH and, and um, support, and um, we're just going to keep adding to that total, and hopefully we can continue to grow that every year. That is tremendous. Thank you so much, Anthony of Spinatos. Anthony Spinato of Spinatos. <laughs> Thank you. My pleasure. That is pretty incredible. Another corporate partner jumping on board and the reasons why, of course, children, a big part of what everybody wants to do, taking care of our children. Imagine having a sick child. Now it's time for another one of our stories of hope presented by Madame Holmes. Uh, back in September of 2019, a young man named Jason was a student at Brophy. Um, he collapsed during basketball practice and was unresponsive. His mother, Dee, his father, Chris, and Jason all talk about that fateful day and what was to come in their Phoenix children's journey. This is Jason's story. Getting a call from the school when you see that pop up on your phone, uh, middle of the day or the afternoon, it always takes a pause. So my husband, he simultaneously was getting a phone call from the police officer that had hopped in the ambulance with Jason. But as we started driving down and discussing what was going on, we started to, I think, get a little bit more panicked. My husband went to park the car and I, I ran in. At that point, that instinct kicked in that something wasn't right. And that's when we found Jason, you know, getting treatment by multiple people. There were first responders standing over him, the emergency room staff. Due to the amount of people in the room, it was it instantly caught you as, wow, this is this is serious. It, it, it was it was frightening. But Chris and I knew to stay calm because we knew that he was in the right place and the experts were taking care of him. Jason had collapsed at practice, that they had gotten to the scene, that an AED had been administered. For that to be administered, we now know the heart must be stopped. Uh, I do remember just waking up in the hospital bed and I was confused. Uh, my mom mentioned to me that I actually thought I was in the hospital because of COVID. I didn't know what had happened to me. It's like my brain just completely forgot about everything that day. But the overall experience from the emergency room to the ICU, it, it, it was absolutely incredible and exactly what you would want. And when we did get introduced to the Dr. Franklin, Dr. Velez duo, um, the A-team, we had no idea, again, being in it, that we had, you know, the MVPs of, of you know, the surgical and um, clinical team. You know, everything from them drawing us pictures, you know, asking, answering our questions as things were unfolding. They were so patient. Um, but that's the type of doctors and surgeons that we dealt with who, no matter how long their day was, was making sure we as patients were seen and heard. Um, and that was important. You know, we were scared once we started to get more information um, because of the unknowns of Jason's recovery. As the days turn into multiple days and move on, you know, Jason went in and he had a surgery approximately a week, a week later. So spending time at BCH around the clock and, and, and they do a really good job. They become your family because you, you don't leave and you're there nonstop. I can't be, have enough gratitude and be thankful enough to the folks that gave us care. The ICU director stayed. I checked in with her at night, you know, just walking to get a cup of coffee and said hello to her and said thank you for a stay. 
she knew that Jason was did well and he was checking out of the ICU after his open heart surgery. She smiled. She said, I'm so happy for you because not everyone gets the outcomes because we are we're very fortunate. Jason has a very, very great and we were very fortunate for his outcome. And and she was another person that just it was so grateful for the staff and the standards that they maintained for themselves in that hospital. It, it was remarkable. Wow, what an incredible institution you'll find yourself in when you, if, if you receive care or ever need to attend PCH for any reason. You know, the overwhelming theme from parents when these outcomes are good and when these outcomes sometimes are very tragic, the uh, the overwhelming theme from these families is how they become a family and how the treatment and the care from Phoenix Children's Hospital gave them peace of mind that they knew that their children were getting the best care possible. This is where you get an opportunity to jump on board with us. That sound means right now it's time to match. The people at Massage Envy are going to match your donation. So anything you give is going to double right now if you can donate. The Desert Financial Phone Bank phone number is 602-933-4567. That's 602-933-4567. You can also text the word GIVE to 411923, and there will be a link to donate there. It's a great way for you to jump on board uh, with big or small donations. They all add up. We've already collected over a million dollars, many of them smaller donations, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever you can give. It is an absolute great opportunity for you. And here's another opportunity. Become a champion of hope. A champion of hope is someone that commits to donating $20 per month or $240 for the year. If you do that, you become a champion of hope. And there are these beautiful little teddy bears that are handed out to these children just to give them something to comfort them. One will be given to a child in your name if you become a champion of hope. So we invite you to do that right now. And if you become a champion of hope, you also get a choice of a free kids pass to the Wildlife World Zoo or a free polish and shine wash from Cobblestone Auto Spa. Do it right now. Once again, the number 602-933-4567. And thank you in advance for your kindness. Coming up in a moment, Gatos is going to join me. It's our Big Q poll question of the day. We'll get to it just momentarily. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, good morning, Gatos. I got a good cue for you, my friend. Do you? There's something going on in Arizona. We've got some Arizonans renting out their backyards to dog owners. Okay. These dog owners want a place for their uh, dogs to play and run around. So you can go. Well, you got a big dog, right? I do. Let's say you were in an apartment, right? right? And you don't have a place for your dog. You could rent someone's backyard for $15 an hour. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm asking, uh, you know, some people want to make a little extra money right now. Uh, would you allow your backyard to become a toilet for strange dogs? That's my question. <laughs> yes or no? Uh, for me, it's a hard no. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. I think people should run out their swimming pools in the summer to adults, people do. to children. Do they? A lot of people do this. See, I think that's where it came from. A lot of people were like, all right, I got a nice backyard. I got a swimming pool. I'm going to rent it out. That happens a lot. But
but I'm not going to rent out my backyard so a dog could take a leak, you know, uh, in my grass or, you know, leave me a nice gift that I'm going to step in later. These dogs, by the way, are actually using the pool as well, I found out. That is true. They go swimming. I don't want a dog in my pool. I don't want a dog. I like dogs, but I don't want one crapping in my backyard. My dog ate the cover off of my jacuzzi. No. Yeah. Your dog, you got a big dog. I do. Yeah, he's over 100 pounds. Over 100 pounds. Do you know what kind of damage your dog could do in my backyard <laughs> Let's after find eating out. a big steak? Let's find out. Let's not find out. <laughs> Let's not. No. Uh, I'm not doing this. I'm a hard no. Uh, for $15 an hour, I don't think so. Gatos, uh, funny as always. I appreciate it. I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. I'm off. <laughs> That's Gatos, and the Big Q poll question of the day is brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Coming up just after 9 o'clock, we understand polling is always out there about uh, candidates and about issues and the methodology behind it. So OH Predictive Insights, Mike Noble is the primary over there. He's going to join us in a few minutes. We're going to talk about their methodology and what it means, so stick around for that.